0: Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show. One, two, three... Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host DK and with me as always is my lovely co-host Lou with the luscious locks. Loxy Lou. Loxy Lou. (laughs) Loxy lady. uh, There you go. There you go. Today we have a good topic for anybody that's interested in mixing as well as in recording. Um, I think this is a very relevant topic. It's come up a few times in the last uh, last couple weeks in conversation. I think this is a good topic to talk about. But before we kind of get into it, Lou, how
2: have you been? I've been really good, man. Um, you know, it's it's kind of funny. There's been a lot of mixing and mastering involved lately. i uh, got a lot of clients that are kind of uh, waiting on their projects and new projects coming in that are going to start. But uh, as always, it's busy. It's kind of funny. Uh, as I was telling you, like I feel like part of the – part of the only step backward that I've had lately is now I have the ATCs and the barefoots to reference back and forth from, and I think it's just confusing me more than it's helping me.
0: Yeah. um, (laughs) I will not say any opinion on anything, but uh, ATCs are amazing.
2: I love ATCs. We will keep it at that.
0: Yes. (laughs) And uh, um, so on that note, today's topic is very important. Um, It is about mixing, and... A combination of finding clients for mixing, but mostly within the realm of why most mixers don't start their career off as mixers. In fact, I can't name a single, especially in the higher tiers, in the upper tiers of upper echelons of mixers, there's not a single one that started off just mixing everybody at some point started off as a tracking engineer or an assistant to another engineer uh, mostly as at some point was an assistant that moved up to a tracking engineer yeah and then moved to mixing why is that happening and we see a lot of i don't like this word but we'll say kids we see a lot of kids kind of like cutting their teeth there's like a um, this craze right now, where mix engineers are really cool and um, sure—that's <laughs> yeah. like really my opinion. Sure, great, that's awesome, uh, but and then they—they're trying to mix from the beginning of the career, and honestly, that's not recommended at all. And and the reason why that's not a formula that works is what we'll go about what we'll talk about today. So the main reason is not what you think it is. I know a lot of people thinking right now is like, oh, that's because of the ear training that you get when you cut your teeth in the studio recording for clients. That's not it at all. So if I, this is a common metaphor that I use to kind of explain why recording is so important. Mixing is a very peculiar personal job. If you're, if you're a dude that you have a barber, you go to a barber, then you, this, this is the best example I can give. You probably there's probably a better barber down the street that is cheaper, faster and better than the one that you go to right now. But you're not going to spend any amount of time or money looking for that barber because you have your guy or girl, right? You have your person that you that you get to cut your hair. Um they know you, you've got a relationship. That's what mix engineers are like. You don't just find go to a new barber unless you move, unless you truly don't have a go-to already. And there's a lot of people that don't have go-tos. On the other hand, tracking, recording is more of like, if anybody can do it, then I don't care who does it, just do it for me. So it's the best way to network. It's really hard to find mixing clients online. Like your marketing key has, like marketing skills have got to be beyond normal or beyond like good. Even people that are good at marketing, like beyond that, if you want marketing, if you want mixing clients Um, for like an online brand and like the only way you can really do that is to like undercut prices and then slowly like that's, and that's only eating your own tail. That's not really hurting anybody that's charging more money. Um, so any thoughts on that, Lou?
2: Yeah, honestly, um, when we talked about going into the subject, I kind of wrote down three things that I thought kind of made the biggest difference, um as far as why you should actually even if you want to become a mixing engineer why you should start in recording because there's three particular things that really kind of set it apart just like you said it's a very personal thing trust me um this the barbershop notion is perfect because even if you go to a different barber one day and you go back to your barber and he sees the cut or they see the cut that you got they're like hey they fucked you up on the back of your neck like i noticed that they did this different it just doesn't look the same it doesn't look right for you you know they might have used a different delay they might have used a different reverb that just didn't sit with your catalog as well as it normally would have had you gone back to your original barber well in my case the things that i noted down was client communication uh understanding the actual intended sound and connections. Just like you yeah. said, like...
0: Let's break down that client communication one because I think like that alone, like we've talked about communication in the studio,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but in a mixing standpoint... You have to learn that how to take is, it's it literally, well, not just that, but I mean, yeah. like, you hire, like, mix engineers are in the job of taking away insecurity. Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to communicate in a way that shows confidence and, and more importantly, helps the artist feel confident in themselves...
2: Oh yeah, like that's huge and you learn that actually making sure that your client who's in the booth who's vulnerable in the moment trying to record the song that they want mixed feel comfortable and confident and the funny thing is the better you can get them to sound while recording the more confident they feel and that confidence then later translates to them feeling confident and having you mix it because you got them to sound so great from the start but that didn't really come out without at least communicating some kind of you know, confidence with it. But realistically, knowing how to talk to a client who feels insecure is part of that client communication.
0: And then, and also what you were talking about, which is like the communicating when they have feedback. So like, for example, this happens all the time. A client says, this, it's two levels, right? It's, it's maturity and patience, But as well as knowing how to do customer service, for example, uh, oftentimes the client does know what they're talking about, and they want a different sound. When they give you feedback, it's your job to remember you're in the service. You you do service. This is a service based industry. Um, Even like uh, Bob Horn, who we've been hanging out with a lot more recently, like when he gets revisions, he's he has a Grammy. Like he is very well, you know received in the, in the mixing world but still like he does not complain at a single revision
2: he understands he's like the client's right let's go and doesn't it doesn't even make a big deal of it right yeah, that's a even, professional even alex tumei he made a post about it recently talking about how he has some songs it's not often where maybe he has one or two revision requests and then he gets songs where he has like revision 30 but the funny thing is he he says, he's like, I don't complain about it because the whole point of hiring me is to make sure you get the end result you were looking for. Absolutely. So as a mixing engineer, it's it's a big thing to be able to say, OK, look, being able to communicate with your client what it is that they want and what you can do for them, um, what you found to work for them versus what they've requested. Everything lands in communication and not knowing how to communicate with clients that whether they be easy or difficult or hard to understand you can really learn these things as a tracking engineer because there's nothing harder to understand than a bunch of people in a room. Everybody's on a different mindset. Everybody has a different idea for the record, and you're just trying to actually capture what the end result should be. Yeah,
0: and and yeah. again, going into communication not only is a good practice for it as a tracking engineer, but that's how you're going to find your mixing clients. Yeah. For example, last night I had a celebrity client come in, mm-hmm. And um, and a bigger artist from the D.M.V. area, like in Washington D.C. area, and I won them both over. Incredibly, that they asked me to mix it during the session, nice. even though they usually have someone. And and that doesn't happen unless you're really good at communicating. And more importantly, that's how you get mixing clients. You you can't you can't like try to convince someone that you should believe in them with mixes. Like it, it's it came because of the recording. Um, so I typically don't do as much recording, especially as much as I should, um, as, as far as like networking and reaching out and kind of leveling up my clientele out here in L- LA. Um, but like this is this, I, I still do it because that's like the only way that I can branch out and reach new clients to mix. This it's true. Yeah. And, and client communication is huge part of it for the practice as well as for the practical. That's how you find mixing clients.
2: Yep. And that's where that third one that I said uh, comes about, The Connections. Because realistically, you never know who's in the room. Um, I know Danny, uh, one of our interns here, had to engineer a session uh, for a producer named Willie. Willie ends up uh, striking conversation with me just passingly here at the studio. Why? Because I'm just here. I'm present. Uh, he really likes Danny and wants Danny to continue recording with him. The He knows that Danny is not the strongest at mixing just yet, so he's asking me to mix it. But... The funny thing is, had Danny been stronger at mixing already, he would have had a new mixing client. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the thing too, is uh,
0: to kind of talk about that exact scenario, I, I don't want this to be abused at all and misinterpreted, but <laughs> more than being good at mixing, we practice and get better so we can be confident in our mixing. Yeah. So I asked this question to some interns and people right now. Like, I asked, like, Are you good at Pro Tools? Yes. So if I put you in the room right now with like Chris Brown, would you get nervous with your skills? Like, would you start fumbling, making mistakes? Would you, would you get nervous? If the answer is yes, that means you haven't had enough practice. You yep. need to put in more time, right? It's, and, and that time and practice turns into confidence. Like, uh, I talked about this before. Like, when Lou put me in the room, got me in the room with Trey. For some weird reason, I actually absolutely had no fear going into it. Like I was not nervous at all because I knew I was well practiced. I knew that whatever Trey was going to throw at me, it was going to go well, and that like confidence and that translated into my communication, translated into my relationship with him, and like that made everything. So you have to practice as well. Like that's why we practice. So if if for example in that scenario. Let's say it doesn't matter how good or bad Danny is at mixing, but if he had done enough practice where he's at least a little bit more confident, right? Then that may have turned into a mixing client. Yeah, like that may have because if he's like, "Yo, I can do it. I know I'm going to do a good job." Regardless of how good of a job he did, if the client believes Danny can, that's the most important part. That's how you get mixing clients. And then and then they stay and they you get more at a faster rate if you're actually good. But you can't really tell if you're actually good. That's like a hindsight thing. Like, it's impossible to tell how bad you are until it's in hindsight. That's the only problem.
2: Yep. Yep. Like, today's best work is tomorrow's worst. Which goes into direct
0: correlation and play with how much confidence you have. Yep. Like, this sounds really counterintuitive, but it makes sense, is the more hindsight you have and the more that you realize, the more mistakes that you make and the more realization that you have and then that's when you start to get more confident as well oh yeah like the less mistakes that you've made is when you're less confident like you Mm -hmm. have to make all the mistakes so like the way to learn is to make mistakes more mistakes
2: faster and i'm really good at making more mistakes faster i mean i told you how i learned uh because i didn't have a lot of experience in a lot of studios starting out i would actually create mock sessions where at my parents place Where I purposely tried to troubleshoot issues that I know have happened to many people and try to see if I can figure it out myself with whatever setup I had. I'd go to a studio an hour early and be like, all right, let's go through with a list of things that could go wrong and just make sure everything's fine. So when the client walks in, I'm not nervous about, oh, my God, I hope this doesn't happen. I'll have literally put the practice in.
0: Yeah, so real quick, we're gonna take a quick break and thank our sponsors here. Um, we do have—I have another big thought that I want to leave leave everybody okay. off with um, the like one more thing that I know it's going to cause a conversation here, right? But uh, quick shout out to uh, first off our first sponsor, Isotope. Thank you so much for um, sponsoring the show, Isotope. Isotope is a bunch of plugins. They have a couple hardwares too, hardware pieces. But uh, yeah, the like Spire. Spire Studio, yeah, Spire where you can like put it on a desktop it's an interface as well there's actually a youtube clip with two chains checking out spire from isotope oh shit yeah and in his youtube series that he has like the the most expensivest of everything kind of thing (laughs) and in that case he's like oh a 100 150 studio and then he reviews the spire it's really dope actually it's kind of cool um but Thank you so much, Isotope. Lou and I, we talk about this every time. Lou and I use Isotope oh, yeah. strongly in every single mix. In fact, I can't name a single mix I haven't used any Isotope products in for years, four years. And like from last, last year alone, I like mixed a thousand records and not a single one didn't have Isotope on them. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there you go. And um, so thank you that for that. Go to isotope.com backslash mmpodcast to get 10% off and use the code mmpod10. There it is. So go to isotope.com backslash MM podcast and use the code MM Pod 10 to get 10% off, not including monthly subscriptions and Spire. So uh, also, shout out to File Pass. You can use File Pass. Both File Pass mm-hmm. and Isotope are the links in the description of the podcast episode, as well as for the entirety of the show. Otherwise, you can go to mixingmusicpodcast.com, go to our sponsors list, and click through there. Um, file Pass is the file transfer. Um, service. Uh, if you are mixing or if you're wanting to mix or if you're just trying to deliver files to client, it's extremely reliable. You can set up oh, yeah. paywalls. Um, it's It plays back high fidelity in the browser. Uh, even, even Dropbox doesn't do that. Um, they can leave timestamp revision requests just like Dropbox or um, SoundCloud, but, but, you know, usually use SoundCloud to deliver to clients, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really great service file pass. Go check out, you go check it out on our website or in the description in our bio, uh, description of the podcast. The last thing that I want to talk about is the importance of how to transition over to a mixer. Now, this is something that I don't know if we've ever discussed, but this is, this is one of those secrets that is incredibly important. If you want to switch over to mixing, when you get to that point now that you're getting a lot of mixing work from recording, it is absolutely important to not record anymore, to stop. Boom, done. And this is something that I learned from Leslie, and I've heard this from a few other engineers as well. There's a, a tracking engineer who has a mentor that, that came to track in one of the clients in our studio. The other day, and uh, his mentor said the same exact thing. When you're ready to transition over to mixing, you have to stop doing anything else because it's a branding thing. If you want to be known as a mixer, then you can't record, you can't produce. Like that's your thing. Um, now, granted, it's it's important to do everything, to be able to do everything, and you should do everything. And this is this is why um, it's a branding thing. So, for example, I do a lot of mastering work, a lot. Um, and I do a lot of songwriting production work, but on my Instagram, on my social media, on this podcast, I really only talk about in the public eye. I really only talk about mixing. So most of my work is mixing. So the first year when I dropped off recording and I started saying no to clients, except for like the specific few that I'm really into, it really hurt my income. But after the first year, I totally was able to rely on just mixing so this is this is I think this is important because when you are ready and getting to the point where you want to be known as a mixer, it's not about mixing and making money from mixing. it's about being known as a mixer, which in turn will increase your income from mixes it's it's this really weird phenomenon that I keep seeing this this is like kind of PR marketing 101 but um something that people just don't really realize so at one point like this is why you got to track like this is why tracking is so important as well is because if you're not confident to just stop tracking and just go mixing then don't stop tracking and like don't worry about being a mixer like mix like you can always mix but like get to the point where if you stop tracking Right now, you could, you said no to everything for a year. Could you survive? And if the answer is yes, then you should do it. If you were serious about being a mixer, now granted, like Lou is a really great example of of the opposite. Lou is everything, but still is known as a mixer and still does a lot of mastering work, and he's across the board. So this is not this is not um, you know black and white, but I think that one there's this is one thing that we were talking about. Lou, we were, and, I'm, and I don't want to talk about personal things, but I think that this it. is a good, good, uh, um, a good thing to talk about. So Lou in the past and I have talked about things that we were jealous about each other as like an exercise to kind of become better business partners. Lou got a client and I got jealous about it, so I expressed it. I got a client, and Lou got jealous about it. He expressed it. And we do this in meetings in, in ways that are very healthy. We do this about once a
2: month or so. We check in with each other.
0: Yeah, we check in with each other. And, and one time we talked about jealousy, and it's like, because we still want to like help each other win, right? And we don't want to get in the way of each other. Um, and one of the things that I had to tell Lou at one point was, yo, I've done nothing but mixing for at least the last three to four years. Like I didn't track almost at all in the last three years of Utah. You, on the other hand, you've spent a lot of time building studios. You've done a lot of producing. Of course, like you're not gonna have as many mixing clients as me because that's the only thing that I've done. Oh yeah. You know, but at the same time, like I don't I don't know how to build a studio from scratch, like fully, right? Yeah. I don't know how to do a pash bay with full confidence. Like so It wasn't like there's a give and take. So if you have five baskets and you're trying to fill apples with all five of them, if you're picking apples, it's going to take a lot longer to fill five baskets than to fill just one. Um, And that's kind of the concept as well. So if you're ready to jump into just mixing, which is not for everybody, right? But if, if there's nothing else that you're passionate about, then stop everything else, start filling one basket and that the money and the returns from just that one thing will increase. Right now, people tr- – and that goes into what we talked about earlier, which is client trust. Clients trust me to mix because I don't do anything else. That That is the biggest secret of why you stop everything. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. I could be bad at mixing. But if I say I do nothing else and this is like a branding thing that I have that everybody knows, then people are magically – like not magically, but with some effort, <laughs> yeah. they will start seeing me as that. Um. And, and, uh, I mean, again, like it's not for everything, but that's why I have a lot of mixing clients that just never stop. Um, and that's why I'm kind of weary with vocal production and and recording out here is because I don't want to be known as a recording engineer, but I still need new clientele in the local area. So I'm trying to figure that out so I could do both, but online, I don't say that I record. I don't offer that online. I I'm, I'm like an available service that if you're here and you want to book with me and if you know about it then you can and I'm good at it because I spent years doing it, you know. Yeah. But so sorry, that was that was a long thought. I just kind of soloed ta-
2: tangent for a minute. But what do you think on that? I mean, it's a solid thought process. Now like you said, it's not something for people to actually just jump into unless they're confident in it. Cuz another big thing is even if you can't survive the first year with it, I remember when I quit my nine-to-five and solely did music only. Like, no more sales jobs, no more anything. I probably averaged, and consider that I live in L.A., I probably averaged like 1200 a 1300 a month. Hmm. That's not even That's minimum low. wage.
0: That's but low. But
2: I managed to make it work. But within a year, I also went up to 6000 a month off of audio clients. I started taking on jobs where it was uh, live sound, I was doing mixing, I was doing recording, I was uh, mastering. But because I've solely focused on sticking a career solely based around my ability as an audio engineer, I was actually not only able to increase my income almost about four times over, but within that year, I also started working through studios like Paramount and all that. Um, when you actually dedicate yourself to one thing and one thing only – you can actually achieve it, but you have to be willing to push through the stress of it because I can tell you right now, just like everybody listening to this, I'm sure somebody made fun of you when you said you're pursuing a career in music.
0: Yeah, and, and this is a huge, I really love that you brought it up. Like maybe the jump, that's, that was what my concept of jumping into mixing. But maybe you're trying to jump into audio. So I know a lot of people are drooling when they heard that you made 1200 bucks a month from audio only yeah like true like let's so let's let's like make it a little bit go a little bit general more macro if you want to do audio full time then you have to jump you have to quit you have to quit everything else and rely just on audio and like lou said the opportunities magically appear like they do like the stars
2: align i told you that i was supposed to work with keisha before we actually started working together but I couldn't because my job would not allow me to take the day off to actually take an opportunity with Keisha Cole. They, yeah. And it took two years for another chance to come up. Or, or let's
0: say that you did you did have the time and you got through with it and you went through with it, but you're busy because you had a job yesterday and you're just tired and you're thinking about other stuff. You only have a yeah. certain amount of emotional Maybe dollars. Maybe you so did a not- good
2: job that day. Maybe you got the day off. But, and you did a good job. Now that she invites you back the next day, but you have to show up to work or you lose your income.
0: Or or like you're just you're just not trying as hard because you know you don't need it for the income.
2: Yeah. Actually, like or,
1: and then you're actually, like, oh,
2: I'm going to do it for free because I have an income that I can rely on. So it's like, that's, oh. That's another topic for another day, but that's an important one right there. I think... Um, Having a safety net is ultimately what slows people down in their progress. I think the the concept of burning your bridges, uh, so to speak, like uh, burning the boat. We talked about that in a yeah, burning the boat uh, essentially is your best bet. Like if you if you really wanted this, you wouldn't look back. There is no Plan B. Plan B doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so when I talk about jumping into mixing and only mixing, that's only if you want to. Yeah, now that's
2: a specific market.
0: And if you if you. Like tracking, like you said, like if you really focus on audio, even in a small town, you're going to be able to find jobs with live sound engineering, which is, is, live sound is really stressful, high stress, but depending on where you live and kind of like the live sound culture can be decently paying and more importantly, fast. Like you can start getting paid quickly versus mixed engineers. It takes a long time before you start getting paid for that. But if you can live sound mix quickly, if you could do like podcast recording or dialogue mm-hmm. editing, film TV, I know a lot of people that get into like uh boom op sometimes, yeah. although that's a little bit more of a skill thing, but like, there's a lot of different ways and you have to branch out and do everything at the beginning when you're ready to commit to whatever it is. Let's say it's not mixing. Let's say you love Foley and that's what you want to do foley like doing the sound effects for film and TV. Like at some point you have to say, I don't do anything other than this. Yeah. Or else you're not going to have better clients up your clientele and up your quality of work. You can't.
2: Yeah. And the funny thing is all these jobs have different pay brackets, but they also all have different levels of stress. They all have different creative uh, ways of working in them. I could probably do live sound and match what I do in mastering sometimes. You make –
0: like, especially out here.
2: Yeah, in LA. Who has the opportunity to make a lot of money
0: in a single night –
2: Oh I probably in a single night when of a concert really I probably make what i'd like put in four three to a mixes. thousand
0: dollars like four to a yeah. thousand dollars in a single day like four three hundred dollars a night a worth of front of house there you go boom like it's really like it's it's wildly but
2: here's the the level of stress that comes with you front don't of have house? a weekend
0: with your we you don't have a weekend for yourself you got
2: like, one shot to get it right.
0: I started having anxiety attacks because of a live show. I do not do live shows.
2: Yeah, uh, live shows. If if you if you want to get good as a mixer, try your hand at front of house once, and then find out how scary it is to get the mix right the first time in front of five thousand people, and hope that there's no feedback or kind of t- any kind of technical errors that you wouldn't be able to fix within one minute. Yeah. If you don't solve it in one minute. Chances are the crowd is going to turn around and look right at you.
0: Yeah. So, and and more importantly, like if you are looking for income, that is a great place to start. There's always demand for live sound engineers, front of house engineers.
2: Which, don't get me wrong, Small I get city. to work with artists that I grew up listening to, and that's my favorite factor of it.
0: Yeah. And, and there's like a, ugh, this is really bad because we go into the culture of audio, which I'm not going to talk about. But yeah, for reals though, like, you have huge names. Sloza, one of our interns, has huge names on her credits list from doing live sound, especially because yeah. we're in a bigger city, right? Yeah. But um, even if you're a small town, so like the Valor in Provo, Utah, or um, uh, what is it? Kirby Court, Kilby Court in Salt Lake City. Um, I like the sound Utah. of Valor.
2: I want to go there yeah. just because of the name.
0: So. And yeah, and and like they don't get huge credits working those venues, but that's a consistent weekend job that you can start making some money and getting some practice in. I would say that the practical application of like how to use compressors and EQ is different for live sound. um, And critical listening is a little bit more different for live sound than mixing, than like studio work. But the ear is still being trained, and that the theory in the ear passes over into studio mixing oh yeah
2: a lot of the same techniques translate over the approach is just slightly different absolutely absolutely. the the end result is looking for good sounds a good time great experience
0: absolutely absolutely so on that note thank you so much for listening uh i challenge you i challenge you listeners right now whatever it is you want to do if you want to switch into mixing if you want to start mixing um if you want to start audio then then start tracking do a lot more tracking um Don't worry about doing just mixing right now. Just track and be a damn good tracking engineer. Mm -hmm. Or if you're a producer, be a damn good producer, whatever it is you want to do, and then specialize later. Don't start off with specializing.
2: You can't specialize what you
0: don't understand. And track, track, track. Seriously, if you want to mix, you got to track. Yeah, yeah. and so happy mixing, my friends. Happy tracking, my friends. And stay saucy.
1: One, two, three. (laughs) Woo!
0: trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show.